Today is November 23rd, 2020. The United States pulls out of the Open Skies Treaty with Russia. Federal benefits are set to run out just after Christmas. And the Trump team starts to fall apart as scant evidence shows up of voter fraud across the country. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and family. We got another great show for you today, per usual. This is the best one we've done so far, and we're bringing it to you. All the good stuff that you need to know here on this wonderful holiday week. That's right, it's Thanksgiving, one of the best holidays in the entire year, and we're bringing you the best news. We're looking at stuff on the left, we're looking at stuff on the right side of the aisle, we're trying to figure out the good, we're trying to figure out the bad, we're finding all that sweet truth that lies right there in the middle. So, if you are new with us today, want to go ahead and let you know we are a political podcast that does our best to kind of look at both sides of the aisle and figure out where the truth or where the moderation often lies. Uh, we see a bunch of stuff on the media that tells us that we're more divided than ever, which I'll actually talk a good bit about today. Um, and we also see that, you know, we're not supposed to get along with, with the people on the other side of the aisle, that there are enemies. Well, that's not necessarily true, and we don't believe that here on Split the Difference podcast. We work actively to have some unity, to build a community of people that can talk and have open conversation and have their opinions that are well-informed, but also be okay with, you know, agreeing to disagree with people across, across the way from them. So... With all of that having been said, if that's something that you're interested in, come along with us as we hop on in to our story number one. So our first story of the day is that the United States, and by the United States I mainly mean Trump and the Trump administration, decided to pull out of the Open Skies Treaty with Russia. Now, um, this is actually a pretty big foreign policy uh, decision that Trump made about six months ago, and I'll explain a bit about what the Open Skies tr Treaty is, but um, our relationship with especially Russia and China has become increasingly tested over the past 10 years or so. 10 to 15 years. And I think that foreign policy is something that a lot of Americans are actually starting to slowly but surely start to care more about again. During the Cold War, uh, through the 60s all the way up through the 80s, late 80s, uh, foreign policy was a really, really big deal to most Americans because, uh, honestly, it meant a lot, right? Like, there was a huge fear of constantly having to go to war with Russia or go to war with some other communist country that was doing horrible things. And so the the United States, you know, when they elected a president, whoever that president was, they had to have a very good foreign policy uh, front, and they had to be somebody that you would think would do well on a world stage. Well, I think that that's starting to come around again and starting to become more important again as Russia is building up power and as China is building up power as well. Um, so Trump decides to pull us out of a treaty that has been around since around the H.W. Bush era. So it was signed, I think, around 1992. And so the idea was basically in this treaty to try and relieve some tension between Russia and the Western allies, meaning United States and a bunch of the different European powers as well. Um, this was right after the Soviet Union had just fallen. And one of the biggest problems that Russia had with the West was there was zero trust. And there really was, wasn't any reason for any trust, right? We'd all been at war with Russia, and there'd been an arms race, and the Cold War had happened with Russia for decades at this point, and so the Soviet Union had just collapsed, and Russia was really, honestly, a kind of a melting pot at this point. Like, it, it was trying to figure out what exactly it was going to be post 
communism, quote unquote, right? Although it obviously is still communist, very much so. So um, one of the most difficult things to rebuild between two countries is trust. And obviously it's not been done super well because the United States doesn't trust Russia at all. And Russia definitely doesn't trust the United States. So the Open Skies Treaty basically said that Russia could fly planes over the Western Allied territories and the Western Allied territories could fly planes over Russia in certain parts as well. Well, the idea here is basically to just have have a little bit of a mutual understanding where it's like, hey, we can see what you're doing, you can see what we're doing, and we're okay with that because we're not at war with one another anymore. So Trump and many Americans for years have alleged that Russia is not upholding their end of the deal um, and their agreement, and basically that the United States, as a result, should pull out of the agreement. This has not been an extremely popular opinion, but it is an opinion that some people on the right side of the aisle had ha- have had for a little while nonetheless. Um, we had some incredibly old planes that we were still flying there. So Trump decided around May, April or May of this year to, to give basically a six month you had in, in the treaty, you had to give a six month notice before you were going to pull out. That would basically allow for any kind of like renegotiations or anything else to happen. And Trump let them know around May, hey, we're going to be pulling out. Well, sure enough, he actually did. So now we have a bunch of really old planes that literally have not been updated at all since 1992. They were probably old in 1992. We are still using liquid film, like actual film. Out of, out of these out of these planes like we were supposed to go through Congress had appropriated like 40 something million dollars or something to update all the cameras and stuff on the planes for this specific treaty I mean like we didn't even have digital cameras in these planes so obviously it was much more of a show okay it's not like we were actually getting a lot of our intelligence from these planes we were literally just doing this so that we were able to keep tensions low between Russia and the West so Many on both sides of the aisle have been critical on this. Uh, it's not, I mean, the left is always critical of Trump, but the right has also kind of joined in and being a little critical about this because it kind of fur- causes further distance, not just between America and Russia, which has been, in- there's increasingly been a wedge between America and Russia, but it also kind of puts a little bit of distance between us and our allies as well. And one of the biggest critiques that especially the left has had of Donald Trump, uh, but also some on the right, have had of his foreign policy is has been that he actually has driven a little bit of a wedge in between us and our allies. Uh, America, in a lot of ways, is you know has always been uh, true to their allies as much as possible, and has honestly boasted of having a lot of allies around the world. We are the people that you want to be allies with, and a lot of senses for most of America's history, or maybe at least in the twentieth century. You, America was the person you wanted to be friends with because they were kind of the bully on the schoolyard that sometimes would be nice to you if you were nice to them. So um, people on both sides have argued that, you know, pushing this like a push that Donald Trump has done towards this nationalistic populism where all he's done is said that we're going to put America first. We're not going to worry about anybody else. We're not going to worry about our allies. We're going to make them pay their fair share. We're going to be uh, it's going to be make America great again, not make the world great again. Many have looked at that and said, Donald Trump, uh, that has actually pulled us away from our allies a good bit. So um, personally, I think Donald Trump's foreign policy has actually been very, very good. I, I think that's kind of been one of the diamonds in the rough for the Trump presidency. I think there's a lot of things that Trump has done that I don't agree with at all. I think have been very poor. But 
Trump's foreign policy has, has, has been very well. And I think that a lot of people like overlook that part of his presidency because they're upset about other things. So uh, whether it's the killing of Soleimani, whether it's dealing his dealing with Russia, whether it's um, moving the, the capital in Israel, recognizing the capital as Jerusalem and Israel, uh, there's a bunch of things that Donald Trump has done that— um, have you know definitely bolstered our power throughout the world and have also helped our allies out a good bit too. Um, I think one of the worst things about Barack Obama's presidency was the foreign policy. So Barack Obama had a lot of good things, a lot of redeeming things about his uh, presidency. But one of the things to me that was not very good was Barack Obama's foreign policy. I think the Iran deal was absolutely terrible when it was constructed. Trump pulled us out of that. Um, and now I think Joe Biden wants to get us back into the Iran nuclear deal. But Anyways, there's. You could also argue that you know many of our allies' relationships with allies were damaged with Barack Obama um, because we weren't strengthening on the world stage like we have under Trump. Uh, when we are strong, when the United States is strong, our allies are strong as well. A lot of people would make that argument. So. What confuses me about this specific treaty, though, Trump pulling out of this and why it's important, is because uh, this comes not long after. If you think back to a couple weeks ago, I actually did a bit about this on my podcast as well, but it appeared that his administration was going to be extending the New START treaty with Russia, which is now the only treaty that we have left with Russia in terms of any types of arms treaties. Um and that is set to expire in February of 2021. And the New START Treaty is basically there to limit nuclear power between the United States and Russia. It kind of is like, all right, well, we're going to set this thing in place that says we are going to uh, not continue to build up our nuclear arsenals, right? And then we also had this Open Skies Treaty. And the Open Skies Treaty was like, all right, well, first we had the new start, and this new start is going to make sure we don't have a lot of nuclear arsenals, but uh, nuclear weapons in our arsenals. But this Open Skies Treaty is now going to say we can fly over these territories and kind of make sure that that is somewhat true, right? So, like, it is this, you know, this building from the ground up, this trust between the United States, uh, Western allies, and then Russia. So, it kind of seems like after Donald Trump was making a push to say, all right, we're going to extend the deadline on this new START treaty so that way we can, you know, renegotiate, we can work through this, maybe include China in on this nuclear armistice, we can like, you know, start to rebuild and get this trust there. He's kind of taken a step back, right? Because he could have easily rebuilt out those planes, uh, get everything up to snuff, come back to the negotiating table with Russia and say, hey, it doesn't seem like you're doing your fair share on all this. Let's go ahead and try to rework back together on this. We want to work through a couple of different treaties to make sure that everything is okay. Kind of just refocus where our relationship is between our two countries. To me, that would have been a much better foreign policy front as opposed to just pulling out of this. Um, I think in some ways, Trump is trying to use it as a means by which to say that he's being fiscally responsible, like getting rid of these old planes that are ridiculous and we can sell them off and they're not costing us any more money and he's trying to save money with all of it. But I don't know. I'm not really following it very much. So um, this is going to make it pretty tough for Biden if he plans on getting back into this treaty um, and it's going to make it difficult and testy on Biden's relationship with Vladimir Putin and with Russia as a whole as he steps into office here in January. So we'll have to see how all this you know kind of starts to play out. So with all of that being said, let's hop on into our story. Story number two. 
So for our second story of the day, federal benefits are set to run out right after Christmas, the perfect time at the beginning of 2021. Um, a lot of federal benefits have been set in place by Congress uh, through the CARES Act earlier this year as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, basically trying to bolster up the economy as much as possible because the economy has been... Um, Honestly, the only thing been, that's been floating the economy along has been the Federal Reserve this entire year. So a lot of federal benefits are on the way out. This includes uh, like a lot of unemployment benefits, like student loan pushing back, student loan payments and stuff. Um, so let's hop in and actually take a look real quick uh, at a video of uh, Bloomberg actually talking about this and doing a pretty good job of summing it up. So... Basically, we have a range of programs that are expiring at the end of the year, and they range from everything from two federal unemployment insurance programs to a freeze on student loans, to a moratorium on evictions, uh, to even some Federal Reserve programs. And, and basically, what, what we're seeing and what we're worried about is that you're going to get to the end of the year, and unless Congress acts, millions of people are going to lose these lifelines that they've had um, throughout the pandemic that has helped them stay afloat. Right. So, um, cool. So that is Bloomberg kind of talking through a little bit of what's going on. You kind of heard there, she mentioned a lot of different things, right? So it's not like it's just federal unemployment. And I think that that a lot of things that you hear online, and that you see like on Twitter is like, oh, you know, the United States government hasn't done anything for me and my family throughout this pandemic. The only thing that I've gotten is a $1,200 check. And it's like, well, some of that is true, right? If you kept your job through the entire pandemic, then yeah, you likely didn't really get nearly as much. But there, there are a lot of people that legitimately are relying on the United States government right now, whether it's through rent moratoriums, whether it's through uh, pushing off our, our moratorium on student loan debt right now, payments, uh, federal unemployment benefits for a long time were up like 600 to $600 a week or something like that, something crazy. And that's not even including state benefits as well, which the government allocated money to the states to be able to give out. Um, so there are, there are a lot of benefits that are going to be ending right around Christmas. And at this point, it really doesn't look like the Republicans are going to be doing anything to end this lame duck Congress in order to be able to you know get something pushed through, especially in the Senate. So Mitch McConnell, it looks like, is going to be kind of just sitting on his laurels a little bit and being like... You know, we're just going to have to see what happens once Biden gets into office. Um, it looks like, depending on how the runoff goes in Georgia, it could be a tied Senate 50-50 between Democrats and Republicans. And if that happens, um, it definitely is going to look like the Democrats are going to get in and pass a gigantic stimulus relief package. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and a lot of the Democrats, especially in the House, have been talking about for the majority of this year that they want to come in and pass the HEROES Act, which the HEROES Act at face value is just, I mean, it's like three or four trillion dollars, I think it got to at one point, of stimulus relief that the Democrats want to hand out to Americans. Uh, and this is in a v wide variety of different ways. Um, many across the country have also pointed at Europe and European countries and how they've handled the stimulus. Um, many have in European countries, many of the countries have decided to shut down their economy completely, but just actually literally pay people to stay home. Like I think in the UK at one point, they shut down the economy and then started paying people basically like $2,000 a month uh, to just stay to just stay at home. You know, like basically just like we're, we're going to just pay you this and you're just going to not go to work or do anything at all. Um, 
Some countries have paid every person in the workforce literally thousands of dollars over the course of the pandemic. Um, the EU actually came together and agreed to an $890 billion stimulus plan that they're going to give uh, to the countries there in the EU, most of that money being uh, given through grants. So that way some of the smaller countries or especially the southeastern countries that have been struggling a little bit more in Europe uh, are not going to have to actually pay those back. They raise them all through bonds and uh, they raise them pretty quick, raise that money pretty quickly. So um, I think what's interesting here is there are a couple of ways to go about it, and this is where the Republicans and the Democrats are differentiating a lot, is the Republicans are basically saying the coronavirus isn't killing nearly as many people as it as we thought that it would. We can keep the economy open. The last thing that we need is for another shutdown because that's going to destroy the economy even worse than it already is. There's We've already had a colossal amount of small businesses and restaurants and all this stuff shut down. We want to keep the economy open. We're just going to have to wear our masks and just figure it out when people get sick. The Democrats, on the other hand, are saying, no, we have enough money within the United States government. What we should do is shut everything down so that way we can get rid of the pandemic while we're handing out the, the vaccine. And we're just going to pay people to just stay home. And if they can't work, we're going to give them money if they can't work. And we're going to figure this. We're going to get rid of this coronavirus pandemic. So. The first one sounds awful because it sounds like the Republicans don't care at all about what's happening. And the Republicans were jumping up and down in the, in the CARES Act to be basically bail out a bunch of large businesses, which is ridiculous to say the least. Um, you, you tell all the American people they got to pick themselves up by their bootstraps, but you can give Delta $50 billion. Come on. Anyways, on the other side of the aisle, though, my question is, where is all this money going to come from, right? And the idea is, oh, we're the richest country in world history. Like, we've got more money than we know what to do with. Like, we've got trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars in our GDP. We can always find the money. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, we can't always find the money, but do we always find the money? Like, yes, we hand that money out, but, like, that money has to come from somewhere, and my question is, it doesn't like the, look like the Democrats especially want to ease spending, but the Republicans don't want to ease spending either, and they haven't eased spending in a long time. So if we're going to continue to up our spending, but we're never going to actually you know, stop spending money and try to figure out a way to get rid of the deficit right now, then like eventually you're going to run out of money. Eventually, that's just that's just how money works, right? Like you can't, as the United States government, doesn't matter if it's the United States government, can't just go out and spend money nonstop, endlessly for years and years. Like eventually, the money will run out. Eventually, countries will look at the United States and they'll be like, their dollar isn't worth crap anymore because they spend it so much. Like eventually, the government is going to run out of money. They can't just keep printing money forever. Okay. So my question is, if the Democrats want to roll out a three or four trillion dollar plan and absolutely blow the deficit and the budget through the roof, then like, all right, we're going to have to start cutting back on other programs that the United States spends the vast majority of its budget on. And that includes social security. That includes welfare. That includes food stamps. Like we're going to have to start getting rid of some of these uh, programs that the United States government pays so much money out every year on that may mean cutting back on the military expenditure as well like there's going to have to be things that are done in order to be able to raise this money and that's where i feel like we don't have a lot of this conversation like it's always well the government needs to give me money because i always love it when the government gives me money but it's never oh wait actually my taxes are going to increase by a lot here in four or five years because of this four trillion dollar stimulus so all of this money actually always ends up getting taken out of the middle class so that's why I'm kind of like, we need to figure out other ways to go about doing it. So 
Anyways, with all that having been said, let's hop on in to our last story of the day. Story number three. So for the third story of the day, the Trump legal team is honestly just rambling at this point. Like it is starting to become a spectacle in and of itself. Um, and it's starting to become a little bit ridiculous. And um, I, I, honestly, I've just got to show you this video. So I don't even know how to explain this video. So uh, this Giuliani and Sarah Powell um, are Trump's personal legal team at this point, And they're standing up. And saying all kinds of stuff that like voter fraud happened, that like the election was rigged, everything was stolen from Donald Trump. They have all of these sworn affidavits, but they're not going to show anybody. And also these affidavits are very incriminating for a lot of people, but they don't want these people to be harassed or anything like that. It's it's crazy. It is crazy sauce. Hold on. Here's here's Rudy Giuliani just saying a bunch of crazy stuff. Good afternoon. This is not a singular voter fraud in one state. This pattern repeats itself in a number of states, almost exactly the same pattern. When it's being, when it's being counted, almost invariably in the United States, up until the mass cheating that went on in this election, a Republican and a Democrat inspector, as well as others, if there are other parties, is allowed to watch the unsealing of this ballot. That could have been Mickey Mouse. That could have been a dead person. That could have been not filled out properly. That could have been the same person 30 times. That could have been, and all these things have happened, by the way. So, did you all watch my cousin Vinny? How many fingers do I got up? And she says, uh, three. Well, she was too far away to see it was only two. These people were further away than my cousin Vinny. So, eventually starts talking about my cousin Vinny? What is he doing? All all the while, okay? And this was a huge meme across the entirety of the internet for such a long time over the weekend. But he had a whole bunch of, like, hair dye in his hair. And all the while, he's sweating profusely on the stage. And it's just running down the sides of his face. Like, just these black streaks running down the side of his face. They are looking like the biggest group of clowns right now. Like, I, like no, I don't understand how you can look at this and be like, this makes sense. This is all really good stuff. You know what I mean? Like, man, Trump's legal team's really got it all together, right? But the tough thing is, is it's sowing doubt. It's sowing a lot of doubt and a lot of discord. Because uh, at this point, like, we're, a lot of people are just confused, right? Like, a lot of people are just like, well, if they do have all this evidence, like, if they're going to be dropping all these affidavits and they're going to be doing all this stuff, then, like, well, I kind of want to wait and see. Like, we don't need to say that Joe Biden is a president if they really do have all this evidence for fraud. But a lot of people are starting to, to lose faith that they actually have anything, that they actually have any evidence of fraud at all. Um, a lot of Republicans like Chris Christie, for example, has come out and basically called it a national embarrassment, which I totally agree with. <laughs> so here's Chris Christie talking about it now. The president's response was to attack Pat Toomey on Twitter. Is it finally time for this to end? Yes. And, and here's the reason why. The president has had an opportunity to access the courts. And I said to you, you know, George, starting at 2.30 a.m. on Wednesday morning, if you've got the evidence of fraud presented. And what's happened here is, quite frankly, the conduct of the president's legal team has been a national embarrassment. Sidney Powell accusing Governor Brian Kemp of a crime on television, yet being unwilling to go on TV um, and defend and lay out the evidence that she supposedly has. Um, this is outrageous conduct by any lawyer. And notice, George, they won't do it inside the courtroom. 
They allege fraud outside the courtroom, but when they go inside the courtroom, they don't plead fraud and they don't argue fraud. So Chris Christie is exactly right here, right? So what the Trump legal team has basically done over the past couple weeks is they've come out in these news conferences over and over again or in tweets and whatever, and they've been like, there's all this fraud happening. They're accusing like the Republican the Republican uh, in Georgia, like the attorney general, they're accusing the governor, they're accusing all these people, like all of all of them are Republicans, you know, like they're in Pennsylvania, there was a federal district court, um, a, a judge that was presiding over one of the cases that the Trump legal team presented. He was a Republican, like through and through conservative judge, right? And obviously, judges aren't supposed to be Republican or Democrat, but this judge is like through and through very conservative judge and looked at it and was like, this is not even close. Like, what are you doing? Like, just took it and just like threw it out. It was like, I'm, I'm not going, I'm not going to even sit here and entertain this. Like the majority of the judges that the Trump legal team have even gone to have been conservatives appointed by, uh, you know, either George W. Bush or Trump himself or H.W. Uh, Bush. Like, there have been plenty of judges they've gone to that have been conservatives that have all just been like, no, like this is this, you're not even close to presenting evidence here. So what they're doing is, is they're outside of the courtroom because you can't get in trouble for saying stuff outside of the courtroom because we have freedom of speech laws in the United States, thankfully. Um, but they're coming out and saying all this fraud happened, right? Like we, we need to re they're asking for another recount in Georgia right now. This will be the second recount if they get it. They're going through and saying all this, all this fraud happened. Uh, we have all this evidence right here. And so, like you've seen Kaylee McEnany like holding up this big old stack of papers, and on the front it just says affidavits. Like nobody, they haven't presented anything. And they're like, well, we're gonna show this to the courts, and like we're gonna get all this stuff done. And like you, you guys just know, just, just stay with us, like stay strong with us, you know. And it's like, okay, well, if you have the evidence, we'd all like to see it. Okay, it's I mean, it's like we're, it's going back to this whole like Russian collusion and conspiracy thing that we had to deal with for like freaking three years of like, all right, the evidence is going to come out tomorrow about all of this. Like you guys just wait. It's going to be here. And the people, the American people at this point are just like exhausted by it. They're like, dude, Trump, you lost. Okay. Republicans as a whole didn't really lose, but you lost. People didn't want you in office. Time for you to move on. And um, the media actually, I, th I think that this is such a clear example of how little credibility that the media have. Because the media right now are all jumping up and down and they're pointing this out, right? They're saying, this is ridiculous. Like, there's no reason why the Trump team should be doing this. There's no reason why uh, they aren't showing any of the examples or any type of evidence at all. So what they're saying, like, how can we as the American people be looking at this and buying into this at all? But the media have done such an incredibly, uh, just a uniquely awful job for the past four to six years that nobody believes the media either. So everybody's sitting there like, all right, well, the media is bashing Trump right now, but like they're always bashing Trump. So how do I know if this is true? Like Trump may actually have a lot of evidence, even though he hasn't presented any of it for like almost a month now. Like the media is doing has done such a poor job for the past couple of years that nobody believes anything they're saying. So they're like, okay, yeah, the media is bashing Trump just like always, but like you can't believe anything that they say. So like we're just gonna have to wait it out, right? And that's the answer, of course, is we're just gonna have to wait it out. And I also am going to do um, a 
just a heads up a little bit. Uh, and my next podcast on Wednesday, um, I'm not going to be going and doing a podcast on Friday because it's the day after Thanksgiving. Um, but on Wednesday, I'm going to spend a good portion of time actually talking about an election that I think is very similar to this election um, in a lot of ways. And I think hopefully maybe quell some of our fears a little bit around how crazy this election seems right now. So stay tuned for that and listen in to my, to my Wednesday podcast because I think a lot of y'all will enjoy that a little bit. But anyways, the media has basically been saying that Trump has been awful for years. So nobody believes the media. Now when the Trump are, when the media is looking at Trump and they're saying Trump what Trump is doing is wrong, he's tearing down democracy and this is not good for our election process and not good for the American people. The media, believe it or not, are actually correct when they say that what Trump is doing is not good for our electoral process, it is not good for democracy and it's not good for America. But how can I trust anything that the media says because they've been calling Trump Hitler for years now with absolutely zero evidence that Donald Trump is really doing anything all that wrong, okay? So um, it just is a great example of how everything is just such a huge cluster right now. So um, anyways, with all of that being said, I'm, let's go ahead and end up the show on my favorite segment, something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week was actually those wonderful group of motion pictures known as Harry Potter. Many of you love those movies because they are so good and they are such good family fun and they're awesome and you're just sitting there like, man, I wonder what it would be like to be in the wizarding world. I never got my letter to Hogwarts and that just doesn't seem fair. Well, we watched Sorcerer's Stone last night. We normally watch these movies right around this time of year. I think maybe because ABC Family did their 25 Days of Christmas and for some reason Harry Potter is now just a Christmas movie for a whole lot of people. I don't know. Uh, kind of what happened for us. So we started over watching number one last night. Had a ton of fun watching it. Forgot how good those movies were. I'd literally do this every single year. So if you haven't watched the Harry Potter movies at all, you definitely need to watch them. If you haven't watched them in a while, you also definitely need to watch them. So that is the show for the day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for checking us out. Please find us on all the different social media platforms. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. I also have a website as well, splitthedifference.com with one T. Check me out. Go and drop me a like, a subscribe, a thumbs up. Definitely need all of those. They help a ton. Uh, if you have any feedback or questions or want to say, hey, like always drop me a message. Definitely monitoring all those and want to hear from you as much as possible. Remember, as always, guys, we're going to keep a level head. We're going to always be reasonable and we're going to always split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.